Broadsheet Radio Network. Welcome back to another episode of Shared History. The breakfast of history. Just all of history is the breakfast of history. Not like a specific, like, not like prehistory is the breakfast of history or like. Well, I think like, I think, you know, a lot of people say breakfast is the most either their meal. favorite meal or it's the most important meal. So we're mm-hmm. your breakfast. Also, I feel like I used that tag before, Natalie. I've, I've stopped keeping track. You are doing that. <laughs> We are, I'm gonna run out of things at a, at a certain at that, point. Like a hundred episode range, we're gonna. I've already played the trombone. Like, <laughs> oh well, enough of our nonsense. I'm just gonna steer it. I'm just gonna steer this ship. It is right in here. Our guest, our guest today is an editor and an author and a Henry R. Luce Lifetime Achievement Award recipient from Time Magazine or from Time Inc. In fact, actually, America, you're all familiar with our guest's work because he is the former managing editor of People and Money magazines. So we've all seen his work. His latest book, Celebrity Nation, How America Evolved into a Culture of Fans and Followers, comes out this spring. Everyone, give a warm welcome to Lanny Jones. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. It's um, so exciting to have you here, and it feels so prestigious. I, I feel like we're going to be mobbed by paparazzi once this episode airs. <laughs> I really yeah. want there to be a, a celebrities. There's they're just like us spread about about just Kath <laughs> and I, and it'll be, like, yeah. it'll be like podcast hosts. They're just like us. They don't get enough sleep, and they don't drink enough water. <laughs> uh, believe believe me, worse. Worst things can happen, uh, maybe, than to be a celebrity. But it's not always the best thing in someone's life to become a celebrity. And they, when you dig deep into it, there's a lot of unhappiness among the celebrities. And there's a lot of unhappiness among the population because of celebrities. And that's kind of what I wanted to write a little about. Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk about your other books, too, and also just, like, your career in general, because... Lanny, in a word, wow. Uh, wow. You make me feel like I don't do enough. Um, and Natalie does a lot. And I do, arguably, do. too much. I I know that we, we discussed this briefly before we started recording, but Lanny also kind of hails from the Midwest, a St. Louis boy. Right. Um, I, I'm just curious how kind of like you got into the editorial business and then um how people magazine came to be because i i feel like for me it's always been there so it's one of those things where it's like oh right everything has an origin story well well, there there are two stories there Mm -hmm. one is why i decided to get into the editorial work and it relates to celebrities when i was like a sophomore in college I was trying out for the student newspaper, and they said, you got to do an interview. And, and uh, I said, with whom? And they said, well, Malcolm X is coming to, ta- coming to, to campus tomorrow. <clears throat> Why don't you interview him? And I thought, Malcolm X is not going to want to meet me. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm this preppy white kid. You know, he already said that, that white people were a huge problem, and he did, didn't want to talk to me. But I did go and talk to him. And he was completely the opposite of what I expected. He was welcoming. He was incredibly generous, thoughtful, professorial. He was a teacher. And he was trying to teach me. And that was a revelation. I thought, wow, people get paid to do this? To talk to someone as smart as Malcolm X and find out about him? And so that- That, that was got, your first interview? When you, when you think you know a celebrity, you don't really know because it's been shaped by the media. And yeah. Malcolm was characterized as a terrorist. Mm-hmm. And, and I believed that until I met him. <clears throat> and so that was part of it. People, People Magazine 
was a outgrowth of the People section of Time magazine, which was just little items about people in the news. Mm-hmm. And the idea was there were just interesting people that we would write about. And so we did, and that became the magazine. It completely failed for the first 20 issues. We barely made, we did not make rate base. But then finally we discovered television and, and the jiggle shows, and we, Farrah Fawcett, this is all in the 70s. <clears throat> and we learned then that people, that media was awfully important in, in determining what people wanted to read about. And so it, it was media. Well, because People Magazine at its like outset, it wasn't all celebrities, right? You guys did like features on academics. Like there was, it wasn't only, well, I guess like celebrity academics, but it wasn't No, but all... we didn't even use the word celebrity. Yeah. We didn't know what it meant. And their first covers were J. Paul Getty, Betty Ford, um, Walter Mondale. They were politicians that we thought people would be interested in. <clears throat> but there weren't that much. They were really interested in celebrities, what, what we now call celebrities. Mm-hmm. Right. The story, an important point for me, I and mean, people became a huge success. I mean, thanks to what we now call celebrities, you know, and, and television, broadcast television. And what you began to see was that celebrityhood was tied to media. And it was whatever the media, the dominant medium was. When we were there, it was network television. Today, it is social media. We can talk about that later. Early on, like the first most important, the first celebrity the world had ever seen was uh, Alexander the Great. Love that guy. I love that guy. Big fan, huge fan. Yeah. <laughs> Alexander, why did he become famous? Because his face was on a coin. And, and so his, he was the first human face, not a Greek god, on a coin. And that was a medium, and that led to the whole idea that technology develops celebrity. And so you see this going on uh, with with when books came and then people like Samuel Johnson and then we had photography and and, and posters and then we had in the US we had P.T. Barnum we had an actress named Sarah Bernhardt nobody's ever heard of now but she was a big deal at the time and so we had all of these people and then it became movie well then it became newsreels and then there was uh, Charles Lindbergh and Albert Einstein, who accidentally, they actually met, amazingly. Uh, <laughs> and so, and then we had the, the golden age of Hollywood and, the, and big movies with Elizabeth Taylor, who I met, and that was a sort of a thrill for me. Um, and that yeah, just kind of, and then- really met Elizabeth Taylor, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. Lanny could drop more names than I could even like po- possibly pick up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I did it's, not want this to be a name dropping book. No, I, I'm just, I just I know wanted to do more. And a story that was important to me, uh, people, we were trying to understand what people wanted to read about, so we had focus groups. And, uh, and the focus group moderator, I used to go to them, would always warm up the audience by saying, who are your heroes? Who do you admire? And she didn't care what they said. She just wanted to warm them up and get them used to talking. But then I went to one and she did not ask that question. And I said to her, how come you didn't ask the, the question about heroes? And she said, because they can't think of any. And what happened was celebrities had crowded out heroes and people's imagination. So there was nobody they admired. There were just people who were famous. They didn't even know why they were famous. And so, it used to be if somebody was famous, we had a way of thinking about them as a hero. You know, George Washington or somebody. Yeah. But there was a frame around them, you know. But the celebrities now, there's no frame as to what is a heroic frame. There is none. It's just media exposure. And that's sort of what what is happening now. And then I thought I really wanted to understand that and write about that. And that's what the book is about, trying to figure out what were the downsides of, uh, of celebrity, not only for celebrities themselves, which is pretty serious. 
I mean, their life their life expectancy is very low compared to all of us, um, and the the effect on celebrity worshippers on children, who when you ask kids in fifth grade, what do you want to do when you grow up, they say, I want to be famous, or I want to work for, even I want to work for a famous person, mm-hmm. and that's what they want to do, and um, and then on society, what is the effect of celebrity on society? And what you found out, I found out, is that the the deeper people are in the celebrity worship, the less likely they are to be involved in local politics and in, in the community bowling league, anything community-wise. Mm-hmm. They basically, I think of celebrity as a, a weapon of mass destruction, and so they're sitting at home, looking at their smartphones, and that's what's happening. It's interesting to think about like people who are celebrity obsessed as being removed from their community because it's like they I can I wouldn't have guessed that but then once you said it it made perfect sense because it they that's not their community their community like they see their community as being like online and in the media so they're not plugged into their actual literal surrounding community that I know. I know it takes them into this sort of false community, and the uh, uh, the psychologists call it parasocial. Mm-hmm. It's that you you think you know someone, but you don't. And it was like me with Malcolm X. I thought I knew him, but I didn't. I was mm-hmm. way off. And it's like our listeners who think that they know us, but still can't tell the difference between Cass's voice and mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's something that I. I really noticed um, during quarantine with COVID is that all of a sudden it was, people were discovering all of these hobbies. You know, there was a flower shortage because everyone was like, oh, I'm going to try bread making and, you know, I'm going to get into bird watching and I'm going to learn a new language or learn an instrument because I think my generation and younger we realized we don't have any hobbies. We don't have many interests outside of, you know, what TV shows are you watching? What movies have you seen? Like what concerts or, you know, how we relate to each other is not, oh, I'm in the local bowling league and I know Timmy from this thing. It's, oh yeah, they like the same TV show as me and we always talk about Stranger Things and that's how I know so-and-so. And when you yeah. take that away, what are you left with? Yeah. Or right. the, the also the hurdle, I feel like, especially with our generation of uh, the pressure to monetize your hobbies. So somebody mm-hmm. might be crocheting as a hobby and then it they feel like pressured to turn it into a side business, uh-huh. pressured to turn it into like a really popular, like a viral TikTok profile or something like that or i mean case i i used to write for fun and then i started writing for a living and then i had to reteach myself to write for fun again like that that sort of like we don't have hobbies anymore because we've been conditioned to believe that if we're not being productive we're not being valuable (laughs) It, it takes away what they what they call agency we 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 don't have agency over our over our interests and our lives, and we with celebrities we give it to them. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we turn to, we turn to them to provide it somehow for us, and um, it's really disturbing. I'm, I really, my, I really get depressed about it. It was really interesting when you said the first celebrity was Alexander the Great because his face was on a coin, and that. What a face. Celebrity has always been equivalent to currency. And nowadays, you know, like you like actors get jobs based on, well, how many followers do you have? You know, and and who's getting promoted because who has more of a social media presence and, you know, in certain industries and how much can you network and people get paid for views and followers. Exactly. Exactly. Wild. And, it's, and it hasn't really, changed in 2000 years. Yeah, it's a conspiracy of three factors. Um, one is the media, the technology that spreads the information. And the other one is the marketers 
who have something to to uh, to make money off this. I was telling a friend about uh, Alexander the Great, and she said, "Well, money talks." <laughs> but the, <laughs> he was on a coin, and uh, and that and that's still true. And so, and the third the third uh, participant in this conspiracy is a willing public that likes to be part of it and enjoys it. So that's that's what happens. Yeah, I mean, the root of the word celebrity is essentially just celebrate or shares the same root, like root of the word celebrate. And if you if somebody isn't the one doing the celebrating, if it's not a willing public, then you can't be a celebrity. I do. I want to mention. So Lanny has published multiple books and I was fascinated actually by all of them. Um, Lanny's first, shocker. You're, I, a big <laughs> shock. The one who's already read, just so we know where we're at, at time of recording, 51 books this year. It's March. Um, <laughs> was fascinated by more books. But your 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 first book, uh, Great Expectations, America and the Baby Boom Generation, uh, intrigues me because of what we were just talking about, of just like kind of generational differences and how celebrity has taken a completely different meaning now than it would have when you were uh when you were growing up or when your older siblings were growing up um and then also your other book on william clark i read uh i read a profile on you that you had a, a quote that basically was like there's books of, there were you discovered that there were books about lewis and like his dog but nobody had written a biography on clark i know <laughs> And I love that because that's like, here's Lewis and Clark are celebrities. They're like, we, they, they are history celebrities. We know who they are. And I do love that you were like, we know who they are. But for some reason, we've, we've not balanced the amount of attention we've been paying to both of them. <laughs> and you set out to write that wrong and to get. I did. I tried. The thing about Clark, I thought it would be a book I could write in the back of a canoe and just follow and following them. <laughs> And it turned out I had 10 chapters on my biography of William Clark. Only one of them was about the expedition. And nine of them were about his life as a federal official, which basically he was in charge of Indian removal. And so all the, the Indians in the Midwest and the East were pushed, pushed into the West. And he oversaw that. And the Indians admired him and loved him. And it's, um, it's a very bewildering story, um, but it, it goes back to what I was saying about Malcolm X. When you, you think you know a guy, when you think when you meet a celebrity, you don't know anything about what their life is like, yeah. and you begin, and that's why they choose pseudonyms. That's why a guy named Bob uh, Bob Zimmerman became Bob Dylan, mm -hmm. and that's why you know Sam Clemens became Mark Twain. They had to hide behind. The real person was hiding behind, you know, the pseudonym that they used to face the world with. Well, and the, and they put a face on to face the world as well, and especially right. with celebrities on television or social media now that we see all the time, um, people feel like they know these people. And I hear so many stories of like, oh, I met so-and-so and, -so and they're such an asshole and, you know, they weren't nice and I, I waited an hour to get your, your autograph and you can't even just, like, sign my shirt. And, like, <laughs> they're they're not your friend. You thought that they are just going to drop everything. And I know. How many times do people hound them for an autograph? So maybe he this one time was like, I need a break. And it's wild right. that we we insert them into our lives. Right, right. No one has understood this. I mean, it goes way back to to the you know to the Romantic period. People like John Keats, the poet, Keats the poet, mm. and uh, John Jacques Rousseau, the French philosopher. They all felt besieged by the public. Samuel Johnson. They wanted to hide from them. Mm -hmm. But even then, people wanted to grasp. By the way. So why do they do this? And it relates to the word celebrate and celebrant. The root of the word is from the is from religion. And they, like in the Catholic Church, the priest is a celebrant. And he is the, the link 
between the people and divinity. And so a celebrity, we still look at it that way, is the link between us and, and a, a, larger, a larger spiritual force. And people, just as the Greeks had their gods, the people look to celebrities to be gods that will somehow link them to, uh, to a, a, larger, a larger spiritual force. The Greeks knew better, though, because the Greeks, the gods were, were never somebody who was alive. It was always somebody dead and gone. But we don't know that. Yeah. And so it's still people who are alive and have to carry this burden. Yeah, I, and I think it's people want to be or feel a part of something, you know? Um, like, oh, I was I was there when so-and-so did the, so, the something, whatever. And I have had nothing to do with it. I mean nothing in the scheme of things, but I now get to say I was a part of it. Yeah, I get a right. little and, tiny bit of ownership over that thing. Yeah. Oh, no. That's a little... Uh, that was my, my experience with meeting some people. I interviewed a lot of, a bunch of presidents of the United States. And what I discovered was, to my embarrassment somewhat, was that I wanted them to recognize me, to say, Oh, hey, Lanny, or hey, Mr. Jones, good to see you. I just wanted them to recognize me. Now, where that comes from, I don't know. The first one was Ronald Reagan. And, uh, and I, I was sort of pretty unimpressed with him. But I wanted him to, say, to recognize me, and I made a point of going over and shaking his hand and, you know, and talking to him before the FBI guy, I mean, rather the Secret Service guy, came over and said, move on. <laughs> but you don't understand. I'm important. I'm Lanny Jones. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was just I about to ask you. I was just about to ask you because you, I mean, you literally wrote the book on celebrity and you, you know, <laughs> like the dark underbelly of it and the destructive force of it. Do you get starstruck? A little bit. I mean, when I, like, the ones that come to mind are I, I, when I first met Princess Diana, and uh, and, oh, and I I sort of uh, went in to see her, and she was just very normal. I was starstruck. Um, I could barely hold my coffee. We were having tea at uh, Kensington Palace, and and but she was a completely charming, relaxed, funny, you know, smart, semi-flirtatious. I mean, she was really a lovely person to be with. Um, and it was the same thing with Elizabeth Taylor. I knocked on her door at her, um, her Bel Air mansion, and I was had it in my hands. I had a tape recorder, and maybe two tape recorders in case one broke. And then I had, <laughs> and then I had a, some, uh, some purple flowers because that was her, she was famous to like to have purple eyes. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I had them all, she opened, the door opened, and I thought it would be her, her butler or something, but it was her and I was so rattled, I dropped everything. <laughs> I had to get down and pick up my tape recorders and my, <laughs> and my flower, and my orchids, and, my, and so on. So, you know, you blow it. But she was fine, she was very normal and, and relaxed. And so she was, she, was, she most celebrities are nice people, really, when you mm -hmm. spend a lot of time with them, but that's I did with Malcolm X. But to me, the similarities between them are that you, when you get to know them, of course, you like them. Um, most of them, I think, at least the ones I met. Yeah, and that's, I mean, so there's that, the aspect of the people and what we think and see and feel regarding celebrities. And then on the opposite side of the Alexandrian coin, um, what what the celebrities think and feel, and yeah. just the level of intrusion <clears throat> on celebrities' lives anymore. I just i I don't see how you can't be somewhat removed from reality as a celebrity, not yeah. by not by their own fault, but just the fact of you. Yeah. If you have thousands of people swarming at you every single day and you have to essentially live in isolation, yeah, you know, and hiding and like cover your head when you're trying to go to the grocery store, like how does that not get to your psyche? No, I know that's just really horrible. I mean, for, for this, I mentioned that the celebrity life expectancy has been measured. 
and mm. uh, against that of normal, regular people or the median. And for women, for a female celebrity, it's 20 years less. I mean, it's hard on them. Wow. And when you look at the list of, of the celebrities who have died young, it's pretty awful. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it's, it's in the papers every day. And so, well, and, and how come? Well, I mean, they, they live in a tough environment with the drugs, you know, it's there mm-hmm. all the time. And so the, I would say the drugs is the number one problem. Uh, so many Do you think people. That's why we cling so hard to um, celebrities like Betty White and you know some of the older female celebrities were, were the running joke of protect them at all cost. And yeah. when Betty White died, it was it was huge, yeah. and it was part of it. I think was she's kind of a last link to a generation that you know, the the glamorous Hollywood generation, and she's connected so many different, you know, the TikTok generation with the, uh, the radio generation. Like, that's a powerful thing to be able to do. Yes. And Betty White did it. I know. She, yeah, she really is unusual in, the, in that regard. And it's interesting to think about people like Dolly Parton and how she's been able to have such a broad audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, every everyone she she and Tom Hanks, who I also met, are are, are among the the people that are accepted by everyone, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's, it's a, a wonderful attribute they have, and it probably keeps them sane. And there must be something they don't exhibit a lot of egotism. They yeah. they they uh they keep it within somehow. That is an interesting because there are celebrities who are like superstars but it's within a certain industry or genre you know like share superstar in pop and movies and i mean i guess you could say the same for share might be that might not be a good example but you know everyone knows who this person is but it's like eh, it's i'm not in that genre but then you have the tom hanks and the dolly partons and the yeah. shares and who kind of is there some sort of equation there? Is it just what the celebrity is lacking at the time and we need a new universal America's dad kind of yeah. figure? How does that work? I don't know. The, there's so much noise out there <clears throat> and people are attracted to the noise. When they ask um, Google, who were the most searched for people last year there were, you know, was it uh, you know, Biden or Vladimir Novosky or whoever? No, it, it was uh, it was who the uh, Will Smith with a slap and Chris Rock and you know and, and people and people mm-hmm. like that. They're the ones who dominate, you know, the curiosity. Yeah. And so that's a uh, maybe it shouldn't be surprising, but uh, it's, it's unusual. <laughs> well, it's it's like whenever somebody's trending on Twitter, everyone like there's there's yeah, it's what everyone is talking about. There's a couple of celebrities who are like who every time they're trending do like always who are very active on Twitter. So anytime they're trending, immediately tweet like I'm still alive. Yeah. <laughs> typically, if somebody's like, uh, oftentimes if somebody's trending on Twitter, they're yeah they're either gotten in big trouble for something, <laughs> they've died, and there's. I think it's a, I think Georgia Tennant, uh, David Tennant's wife, uh, who is also an actress, very talented herself, uh-huh. uh, has is is who I'm thinking of because she'll regularly whenever because David Tennant doesn't use social media, so whenever David Tennant is uh, trending, Georgia Tennant will tweet like, "He's not canceled. He's still alive. We're still happily married." Like <laughs> every single time, like everything's fine. Everyone, calm down. Um, you you mentioned uh, you mentioned photography's impact on the kind of growth and boon of celebrity. Are there specific individuals other than other, like you mentioned P.T. Barnum, which is yes. curious because we 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 just had a guest on where his uh, his story um, of a man named Merton Clavette touched on so many people who we consider like celebrities of of that era 
uh, that it's just funny that we're going to revisit them. Um, but you mentioned PT Barnum. Are there any, is there anyone else from like that era that you, that you feel really defined historically what it meant to be a celebrity and as, as celebrity became more about media figures than about Kings and politicians. Right. Well, the ones that I wrote, uh, came to mind is, uh, Calamity Jane who, <laughs> or Buffalo Bill, who she was, she had a, she was in his show mm-hmm. and Calamity Jane was, was a woman whose real name was Martha Jane Canary. And, um, and she was a creation of, of posters and media and what were called carte de vis, these little photographs that people would buy and hand around. And she's one like that. Like if she were around now, she would be identified as, as transgender or gay, but she was not then uh, because that's not what people talked about. So she just kind of made, made good with her, with her image on the, on the photograph. And the, and the photographs were so important for people like Charles Lindbergh when he first became famous, and Albert Einstein, who I mentioned, mm-hmm. and uh, neither one of them, I mean, they both hated it. Uh, uh, Lindbergh, I must say, especially because of the kidnapping of his child. And then Einstein was a little ambivalent. I mean, he was friendly with people like Charlie Chaplin, but, but, he, uh, but he also just had trouble dealing with celebrity and, and ultimately stayed away from it because he thought it was distorting him. But Einstein has become a caricature to us now. I see TV commercials with Einstein figures in them. So he's, he's become something else. You know, yeah. he's not a human being anymore. He's like a cartoonist figure. Yeah. Can you give a cliff notes of the, of Lindbergh's child being uh, kidnapped? Because it was an infant, right? What again? Lindbergh's uh, child kidnapping. Can you give us like kind of like the cliff notes for people who don't know that story? Because I, I, all I really remember is that Lindbergh's son was a baby. Yes. And it was a couple of years before. It was a, uh, it was a while. The baby was kidnapped from his house in New Jersey. And then was the baby's uh, body was found right away, and so they, they knew the baby had died, but they didn't know who had did it, because the baby was found out of the woods basically, mm-hmm. and so it took a couple of years of investigation, and then this was in the period right after World War One, and so the guy they they fixed on was a guy named Richard Hopman, who was of Germanic descent. And so there was a lot of sort of anti-German bias against him. And so who knows if he did it, uh, right? But he was found guilty. Was any part of their case kind of like based on Lindbergh's own celebrity of, of was there, was, was any part of that considered motive or, or is that oh. not related? Well, yes, because, because he had, they thought he had money. Uh, his wife, Anne Moe Lindbergh, said later that if, if we hadn't been famous, we'd still have our baby. Mm-hmm. And so she bl- she blamed it on the fame. Uh, in regards to journalists and photographers, uh, obviously stealing and killing someone's child is not respectful, but there has been a shift in the press of uh, definitely much more intrusive anymore. I mean, you think about British tabloids even. Um, what have you noticed in the shift of journalists, you know, being starting at, you know, interviewing Malcolm X into where we are now? What have you seen in that shift? Oh, that's a good question. Um, see, I mean, that. I mean, the person I often focused on early was Betty Ford. When she was the, the first lady, she did, changed all the rules because she talked frankly and openly about her own problems, alcohol abuse, talked about her sex life. She talked about her depression. She talked about uh, just a variety 
of things that famous people, especially politicians, did not talk about. So she did it. And so the press could all write about it. And then suddenly the rules were all off. Oh, it's okay. This is exemplary. I mean, she's helping people deal with this. And so we could write about the personal lives of politicians. And Betty Ford was the one who made that happen. And so now it, of course, continues uh, forever. Although the and difference... It, as it does with all Betty, politicians. What? The difference being that Betty Ford was bringing up and talking about her own issues instead of having them revealed. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, well yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a fan of that kind of reporting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's gotten worse since, since, um, since the time I was uh, people. Yeah. Well, and the term journalism at that point gets a little fuzzy. Like, are you, are you interviewing a, you know, a, doing a straightforward interview or are you trying to snap pictures of someone in their backyard while they don't know yeah. you're there, you know? Yeah. Are you digging through somebody's trash or are you, <laughs> yeah. celebrities trash? I, um, we talk about on the podcast a lot. We talk about, like, we often end up talking about people who didn't get necessarily the credit for something when they were alive or were kind of whitewashed in history books or relegated to a footnote. And it's interesting to think about a lot of who, a lot of who we talk about on the podcast are not history celebrities. And now I'm wondering like, oh, we often talk about it as a negative of like, this person should have gotten this credit. Like, why didn't, why wasn't this person like ever, like famous at the time? They were amazing. They were doing all this stuff. And now I'm like, maybe it's for the best. Maybe they lived a better life because <laughs> oftentimes financially speaking, no, uh, because they got like their invention basically scooped by somebody else uh, or their livelihood in a, some other way. But now I'm thinking about it like maybe it's a good thing we weren't all obsessed with them because we could have, I don't know. Now I'm just thinking about the the downside of them getting that credit, that fame. Yeah. I mean, there are people, there are celebrities who do good works out there. And, mm -hmm. and that tends to be overlooked, I think, mm -hmm. because yeah. it's, it's sort of... It's not glamorous. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the obvious ones like Michael J. Fox with Parkinson's disease, and and uh, people like Roger Federer does a lot of good work, the tennis player, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. that's involving South Africa and the children's education, mm -hmm. and it doesn't get publicized because uh, it's more it doesn't get eyeballs. It's more fun to publicize, yeah. and, and also because who's going to pay them, and so. You know, Popeyes has basketball players and so on, all all spokesmen for their recipes, but uh, so they get in pay, they get the attention, and that squeezes out the people who are many of whom are doing very good work. I'm always a joke that a, a celebrity without a cause is like a is like a woodpecker without a tree, and uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, and. There was a little bit of truth in that, but it's a little unfair too. Mm. Are there any uh, are there any other instances of kind of the evolution of celebrity in history, the, the history of celebrity that you wanted to touch on? One th one thing in my own life, I, I just mentioned to you was um, when I was editing People, there was an article about Abe Vigoda. Remember the actor Abe Vigoda? He was in uh, some. Well, he was in The Godfather, and he played a, a character called Tessio. And, and somebody had written about him, and I thought, oh, he's dead. And so I wrote The Late, the late Abe Vigoda. Well, it turned out that it got printed all over the country. He was not dead. He was very much alive. Oh, and no. and he, called a, he called a press conference to announce that he was alive with a coffin there. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, copies of people. And then, and then he went on and lived 30, 36 more years and died at age 94. I think all of this was to spite me for <laughs> saying that he was dead. But the interesting thing about him was that he had not been in the news. 
And so when someone is not in the news, there's a little part of you that thinks, well, maybe he died. Mm-hmm. And that, and and I I was reflecting that, and that's yeah. why I said that. Yeah. Well, from our generation, a famous instance of that is everyone thinking uh, Kel from Keenan and Kel was was dead uh, for for whatever reason. It was like a I feel like one of the big bigger like celebrity death internet hoaxes that I remember from like, uh-huh. him and Keenan were always a pair. And you yeah, know, why so- did Keenan make it so big and Kel didn't? Well, he must be dead. Yeah, we're like it's the only it's the only possible explanation. Uh, um, it's I don't know if if I was just very in tune and self aware as a fifth grader, or if I had just <laughs> seen my mom had just made me watch too much like Sunset Boulevard and VH1 behind the music. But I remember in fifth grade we had to you know write a an essay or something on what we want to be when we grow up. Right. And I said, I want to be an actor, but I don't want to be famous. And this oh, was when the the Lindsay Lohan, Britney Spears, you know, like um, was just blowing up of, oh, these female child actors are now trying to break into being adults and be sexy and get rid of that childhood. And so there was so much scrutiny around them. And I just remember seeing all of this and being like, that's awful. I would, I, I am so insecure just going to middle school every day. I can't imagine a whole magazine dedicated to like all of my faults. And I remember as a fifth Both. grader saying, I want to be, I want to be a successful actor, but I don't want to be famous. Yeah. You <laughs> wanted to be a good actress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it sucks because as an actor, it's like, if you want to get paid really well, you got to be famous. There's a trade off. Yeah. yeah. It's also, it's like exhausting as, uh, as an actor in Chicago and as an act, as somebody who grew up acting like in community theater in the suburbs of Chicago, when people find out you want to go into any performing arts, they immediately are like, Oh, are you going to move to move to New York? Are you going to move to LA? They assume that you want for LA. They assume that you want to achieve a level of like notoriety and fame. And it's like you can have a perfectly good career mm-hmm. elsewhere. You might yeah. need to supplement with other things because actors aren't really the people you see on television. You see in everything, but who aren't the leads? They do not get paid that well. Um, but, but you know what? <laughs> Neither do teachers. <laughs> which is what I do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, everyone assumes that you want to go to LA and you want to become famous. Everybody assumes that you want to, and, 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 and if you don't, it. you're a failure. If I've yeah. never seen you on a red carpet, you failed. <laughs> Superstardom or bust. Buy a red carpet. Cass, next time we have a live show, should we buy a red carpet and make a hundred percent? hundred percent. We'll do it. Uh, Lanny, where do you see the future of celebrity and the currency of celebrity going because I feel like we're we're getting close to this breaking point of uh Bo Burnham who is this stand-up comedian he had this really interesting um comment of we used to colonize land well we've colonized all the land we can't make any money from that so now we're trying to market and colonize your time your attention you know any second you're not looking at your phone is a second we don't get money or whatever and that's frightening to me where do we even go from there right well i closed my book talking about human values and people standing up for for internal values that are timeless you know Mm -hmm. sort of honesty and, and and ethics and return into those. And I do hope that we will absorb and adjust to the latest technology of social media and the internet, <coughs> and now the artificial intelligence, and that we will adjust to these and, and finally work through them, as we have for for coins, you know, as, as we as we did for the for the carte de visite for photography. And and for newsreels, and and for network television, even 
And so we can work through that, I think. Yeah. Uh, but it's hard. And, and uh, I feel like my fingers are crossed when I think about that. Yeah, I guess, you know, being in it, we're like, oh, these are unprecedented times. But it's always been unprecedented. Things have always been, yeah, yeah. like with any well, new technology or invention or technological boom, I'm sure people have been like, what is the world even coming to? And you're right, we well, adapt and we adjust, hopefully, hopefully well, for the better. <laughs> I, I agree. I hope so, too. <laughs> well, uh Gen Z has been embracing flip phones again. And I love it. Of that that is just like my brain can't fathom like taking that step back, and then the other part of my brain is like, "You get it, Gen Z. You you do it. <laughs> Let's bring back flip phones because, good lord, are smartphones as much of a blessing as they are a curse." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have to give ourselves permission to take what we might perceive as a step back in order yeah. to move forward. Yeah. yeah. Well, That's the most profound thing that I will contribute to this or any conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we'll um, quote you on that, Natalie. We'll put on so we'll put on so social media. <laughs> really make it go viral. Oh shit. <laughs> I've missed the point. <laughs> I have woefully missed the point. Lanny, uh what is, is there something that you have learned or discovered recently? We we joke on this podcast, and I mentioned it earlier, that discoveries are often misattributed uh, throughout history or to to just the person with the best marketing, to bring it back to what we're talking about. <laughs> Maybe, and, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we like to um, make our own claims and our own discoveries on, on this podcast. So is there something that you have discovered recently that you would like to share? Oh, well, I think that a turning point in my book when I was doing my research was when I, I had read a book called Bowling Alone and it was by a guy named Robert Putnam. And the idea was that he published this in about 1995. And the idea was that uh, the participation rate and bowling leagues was way down and the PTA was down and the library board, all of these things was declining. And this was in 1995. And that was an eye opener for me because it's only gotten worse since then with social media, which arrived in basically around 2006 with mm -hmm. the first, first iPhone. And then suddenly the bowling alone thing became we were just doing everything alone. And so the that was an important moment, and I thought that was an important book. I got it into focus in terms, and then I thought, well, what are people doing when they're looking at their cell phones? And they're often reading about celebrities. And yeah. so it became sort of an addiction. And, and that's not a ha the, happy, the happy ending you're looking for, but that's uh, what I I'll felt. I'll twist it for you. It I, was important. I, I have a group of friends who just joined a bowling league. Yeah, <laughs> and like, and and they they practice. They meet up. They all bought new bowling shoes, and they're getting like customized shirts. And I don't like bowling just because I've got delicate wrists. But it was so <laughs> beautiful because it's it's true. All of these seemingly, you know, simple, basic, pure social activities are going away, and. I, I am heartened whenever I see glimpses of it, and they are really taking bowling league seriously. So, yeah, yeah. so there's your silver lining. Yes. <laughs> I was I could twist it back. Uh, Please don't. <laughs> well, I, it, the the talk about how people aren't like getting involved in their local organizations or politics, and the other side of that with social media that just occurred to me is how many times I've had a conversation with somebody and been like, oh my gosh, you should, you should run for local politics or we'll be talking about running for, uh, well, I'll be talking with neighbors about how they should mm -hmm. for our alder person. We're like, you should run for alder person. And the go-to response is there are too many pictures of me on the internet. <laughs> like, Cass, Cass and I had Facebook all through college basically like we're there's 
There's too much out there. Too many skeletons. Too many, too many embarrassing <laughs> photos that aren't mm. even that bad. They're just embarrassing <laughs> from themed parties and whatnot. I have a delicate constitution. I can't take any sort of public scrutiny or criticism. You say as the co-host of a podcast. I know. Sorry, mm. I, I filter it through for you. <laughs> You know, if you want to um, strengthen Cass's constitution, listeners, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating. Anything over four stars is acceptable, <laughs> as we always say. Tell <laughs> Cass how talented and wonderful she is. And then um, be sure to also say the same thing to me because I will get jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it's my... It's my right as the youngest in my family and as a Leo. I, I will get that. <laughs> I, it's inevitable. Lanny, do you have any, uh, well, tell everybody, tell everybody, I will repeat it. The title of your book, of your upcoming book, Celebrity Nation, How America Evolved into a Culture of Fans and Followers. When is it being published? Being published on May 9th by Beacon Press. And uh, you can pre-order it and, uh, and wait until May 9th. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else that you want to make sure that our listeners know or anything else you want to share with before we wrap well, up? Well, one thing I was thinking when you were saying, is there any good news here? And the celebrity over the years has acted, has been basically white and male. And it, it is much more diverse now. And, and that's, you know, beyond doubt. And so, I mean, that's been a good thing is that the, that the, the wages of, of sin and celebrity are being cast, cast among their entire population for better and for worse. That is, that is a bright spot. I will give yeah. you that. Uh, listeners, we'll, we'll post a whole bunch of links in the show notes with some uh, visual aids, some links to some of the other things that we've talked about. So uh, be sure to check that out. You can also find some of those, a selection of those over on our Instagram at SharedPod. Um, you can maybe find them on Twitter. Maybe you can't in this. I'm just, this is going to become what I say for this whole season, but in the spirit of social media is trash, uh, we kind of aren't using our Twitter anymore. So it's there, but it's not updated. So maybe you'll find something at SharedPod on Twitter as well. Maybe you won't. We always encourage you to get in touch with us. We welcome it. You can reach out to us at sharedhistorypodcast at gmail.com. That's all she wrote. Until <laughs> Lanny, it's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure, Lanny. It's been a pleasure. Until next time, share you later. <laughs> Broadsheet Radio Network.